Well, good morning, Axis Church. How's everybody doing? Uh, this is the end of 2022. Can you believe it? Another year gone by, and here we are coming up to a new year. And uh, I love the Christmas season, and I love uh, spending it with you guys. Uh, back a few years ago, an interesting decision was made in St. Albans, West Virginia. Uh, Fox News reported that this West Virginian town offered up a baby Jesus-free nativity scene. The community's holiday display had a manger with shepherds, a guiding star, camels, and a palm tree. Because <laughs> nothing says Christmas like a palm tree. But no baby Jesus, Mary, or Joseph. The park superintendent said they left him out over concerns of separation of church and state. But the mayor said it was done for technical reasons. It's not easy to put up a light-up representation of a baby in a small manger scene, you know? Imagine that. They can't get a baby in a small manger scene, but the God of the universe, the king, can leave heaven and come to earth in the manger of Bethlehem. Imagine what a great love the father has for his children that he would sacrifice to that extent. Imagine how much the king must love you personally to be able to go to such lengths for you. And I am uh, really excited to be able to talk about King Jesus this, uh, this month. You know, I planned out our Christmas series uh, a few weeks ago, and I came up with four or five different topics and different themes, and I wrote out different sermon titles for those themes, and I called uh, Josh, and I called Connor, and I said, guys, I want you all to think about these themes with me, and most of them didn't make the cut. And one of them that I wrote did not make the cut, and I thought it was great. I thought it was creative. I called it Christmas According to Peanuts, and I was going to show, this is literally true, I was going to show you clips from uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, and I was going to talk about many of the challenges that we all face during Christmas. For example, week one, I wrote Charlie Brown Depression, because he just didn't like Christmas. Week two was going to be Lucy, busyness. She told Charlie Brown, you just need to get more involved. Week three, I was going to do Sally, materialism. Her concern was just that she would get everything on her list that she wanted. And then finally, week four, we were going to celebrate the coming of Christ. And we were going to talk about Linus and how he talked about peace on earth and how he kept the main thing, the main thing. I thought it was creative. Connor said, when I called him, he said, you know what? I don't really love that one. I was like, why? He said, nobody under 30 really cares about peanuts. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, I like peanuts, but I'm not under 30, so maybe he's right. I was like, leave it to the new guy to give me some painful truth, you know, about my age. But in the end, we came up with a better series, and one that they both thought was great. And he and Josh uh, liked the series that we're going to do, which is called King Jesus Beyond the Baby. And we are here to get to know and to celebrate the newborn king. And so for this month, we're just going to honor Christ, honor who he is, get to know Christ in his, as, 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 div as divinity, as divine, in his humanity, how he reigns in our life today. John chapter 1 Verse 1 and then 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and that Word means Christ. He is 
the word of life. He is God's words incarnate. He is with us. So it means in the beginning was the word, was Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. The message Bible paraphrases that God moved into our neighborhood. Talk about a step down. Talk about moving from a mansion to a mobile home. The king came to live with us. And today, what I want to do is just talk about that king and how the king, our king Jesus, is fully divine. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And that is one of the fundamentals of our faith. We believe that God loved us so much and wanted so desperately to communicate with us and to offer us payment for our sin that he became one of us. He took on the likeness of man, Scripture says. You see, Jesus was not just a great moral teacher. He's not just a good leader. Jesus is God in the flesh coming to live among us. And it is so important that you understand that because today in this multicultural kind of a, of a world that we live in, a pluralistic world, it's very popular for people to say, Jesus is just one of many pathways to God. He's not the king. He's just an influencer. He was just a teacher. But friends, Jesus is God. Jesus didn't begin at Bethlehem. God became one of us and dwelt among us. And today, I want to tell you about this divine king. How do we know that he is the one true God and king? Well, one of the things is the scripture tells us over and over again that the characteristics that were found in Christ are only characteristics that are found in God himself. In Matthew 28, 18, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture here that's not going to be on the board, but in Matthew 28, Jesus said, I'm with you always. Our God, our King Jesus is ever present. In Hebrews, it says Jesus is never changing. It says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God never changes. Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He forgave the sinner. He did things that only God can do. Now, how do we know Jesus is one true God and King? Because he did things only God would do. He also, the apostles bear witness to the fact that he's the only true God and King. Peter confessed after Christ was asked him, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Stephen was being stoned to death, he called upon the living God in heaven and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The writer of Hebrews calls Christ God. When he writes, but the son of, of the son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And then we have the confession of Thomas. I mean, how many of us can relate to doubting Thomas, right? How many of us have had questions about God? And, and when Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, after he came back from the grave, shows up in the room with the other apostles, Thomas wasn't there. And they were trying to convince Thomas of this reality. And he said to them, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the scar in his side, I will not believe. Well, eight days later, after Thomas had given his doubts, Jesus came. The Bible says the doors having been shut, Jesus came. And he stood in their midst and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, reach out your finger and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered him and said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you've seen me, 
you believe. But blessed are those who do not see and yet still believe. When Thomas was in the very presence of the king himself, he had no other no other ability except to fall on his knees and say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. The apostles gave witness to the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh. They witnessed his miracles. They were witnesses of his ultimate miracle, his crucifixion, and then his resurrection from the dead. It was the ultimate miracle. And all of these guys went to their grave claiming and saying, we have seen Christ who resurrected. How do we know that Jesus is God and King? We know it because he had attributes that only are given to God. We know it because the apostles bore witness to it. And thirdly, we know it because he, Jesus himself made the claim. And during the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, Jesus was approached by some Jewish leaders who asked about him being the Christ. And, and, and he said, I and the Father am one. In John 8, he boldly asserted, if you know me, you know the Father. In John 12, he said, he who sees me has seen the Father. And those references are there to indicate to us that Jesus is God in the flesh, that when you see him, you see God. Now, in order to understand that concept, you have to understand a doctrine that is in the scripture, throughout the scripture, and that is a doctrine that we call the Trinity. And the Trinity is one of those teachings that is very difficult for us to understand, that somehow our God is manifested in three persons of equal importance, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, that particular doctrine is difficult for our human minds to conceptualize. When I was a kid in church, they tried to describe it like an egg. You've got the shell, you've got the yolk, you've got the white three in one. And that didn't seem to fully capture it for me. But then they said, well, it's like water, you know, H2O. You've got it in the form of steam, in the form of a solid, in the form of a liquid. You see, you have three in one. That didn't fully get it. The closest they ever got was when they said, it's like Aquafresh. He's three parts of toothpaste in one toothpaste. And finally, I was beginning to understand what it meant to have three in one. But it really didn't make a lot of sense to me. And you know what the truth is? That there are things about God that are difficult to understand. God said to the Old Testament Jews, I am one. I the, I, the Lord your God, am one. But in the creation story, he said, let us make man in our image. Who's our? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and, and when Jesus was baptized, we see all three persons of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. God the Father split the sky and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And in that scene, you see Jesus being baptized, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When you think about who you are, you in your own right have three parts of who you are. You as a human being, you have your body, you have your mind, and you have your spirit or your soul. And even in that way, we see three manifestations of who we are. Now, does any of that fully capture who God is? No, but it, it helps us to understand that maybe God's ways are higher than our ways, and we see that doctrine taught in Scripture over and over again. Who is Jesus? The Bible indicates he is the third person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who became flesh to dwell among us. Isaiah said that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus Christ 
proved that he was God and king over and over again. He gave sight to the blind, the ability to walk to the lame. He gave hearing to those who had never heard a word, and he raised the dead. And of course, the greatest evidence of the divinity of Christ came at the cross and the resurrection. This week, I took my mom on a date. We went to see the Gaither Vocal Band in Columbus, Ohio. Now, I like the Gaithers. My mom likes the Gaithers. Lisa doesn't like the Gaithers. And so mom and I were like, we're going to go. And so we go. And I granted, most it was, a, it was an average age, maybe. I say average because there were a whole lot of 90-year-olds in there. I was going to say like 65 because there were a few 50s, 40s, not much beyond that. How many know what I'm talking about? But they were there, and, and we had a great time. We rode up there together. I have been given a hard time, though, because uh, uh, we went to dinner before the show, Arby's. I really, I really went all out. We went to Arby's, two for seven, two for seven at Arby's, and uh, we had a good time. And uh, I try to tell people that's because Arby's wasn't the event. The Cathers was the event. This was just to keep her sustained through it. You know what I'm saying? And so we go up together, and we're enjoying our time, and we're singing the songs along with them. And I, one of my favorite moments came when Mark Lowry got up. Mark is the one who wrote the song, Mary, Did You Know? And he got up, and he said, I wrote this song on the tour bus years ago. And he said, I wrote it as a Christmas card. And he said, I have a lot of questions for Mary. Many of the questions didn't make the song because they didn't rhyme with another phrase in the song. He said, but I have a lot of questions for Mary. He said, one of the questions I want to ask when I get to heaven is, did you ever go into Jesus' room and say, Jesus, clean up this mess? Were you born in a barn? And she said, then she's going to go to one of his teachers and go and ask that teacher about their other children. Uh, hey, why, why, Mary, did you ever go into a parent-teacher conference and say, why, why can't these boys be more like Jesus? He got straight A's. You know, he's perfect in every assignment, right on time. But the song asks, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save the world? Did you know that he became Jesus? And then Mark Lowry went on to say that he asked his mother, one time about proofs of Jesus Christ as king. And she said, Mark, if you ever want to know if, G if Jesus was really who he said he was, if you ever really want to know proofs of the virgin birth, he said, he said that his mom said to him, then what you need to think about is at the cross, Mary, his mother, never said a word. And she said, Mark, if you were crucified for claiming that you were God and they took you down to downtown Houston and they were going to crucify you, I would be yelling at the top of my lungs. I know he's crazy, but don't crucify him. I know he's a liar, but don't kill him. And Mary, at the foot of the cross, stayed silent. And maybe that's because she remembered Gabriel coming to her home and saying, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Maybe she stayed silent when her son was being flogged because she remembered the words that he would give salvation. Maybe she remembered the virgin birth. Maybe she remembered that he had a purpose in his life. Maybe she stayed silent because she knew that this was indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as hard as it was to watch him, she knew he was king. Jesus himself was silent 
at the trial proceedings, one of the clearest evidences of Jesus' claim to deity came when the high priest arose and came forward and questioned Jesus and said, do you make no answer to what these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further proof do you need? Do we need any other witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death because he said, I'm God in the flesh. In Acts, the apostle Peter, after the resurrection, told those who killed Jesus, Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah, both God and King. What I want to do for the remainder of my time is just to tell you three implications of that truth. Three implications of that truth that Jesus is King. And the first one is this, King Jesus cares for his creation. He cares for his creation. We learn that Jesus was the agent of creation. In fact, Colossians chapter 1 tells us that he created all things. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, and he said, let's make man in our image. Colossians tells us more about Jesus' role in creation. It says, for in him, in Jesus, were all things created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus was the agent of creation. And not only that, he sustained creation. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was the agent of creation. And I want you to think about how amazing this creation is. We know today that the universe is about 12 billion light years away to the end of the universe. Well, that's just as far as they've measured. That's hard to get your mind around. A light year is 6 trillion miles. So that is 12 billion light years times 6 trillion miles. Friends, that is a long road trip. And the Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ spoke it into existence. And when we stand this morning and humble ourselves in His grandeur, and we should begin to pray, Oh God, would you for just a moment give us some understanding of the supremacy of Christ? He was more than just a man. He was more than a baby in a manger. He is God, creator, sustainer. And yet He humbled Himself and became a man and lived in our world for a while so that we could give hope, be given hope for eternal life. And yet he left the vastness of creation. And he came to this earth. Can you believe that? That tells us that no matter what you're going through today, that the the one who created cares. He cares about you today, right where you are, no matter how big or how small your problems may seem. And we do all have challenges. Maybe you guys have seen this video. I think it's one of the funniest videos I've seen in a while. It is from a Bengals fan who um, had her wisdom teeth taken out, and she wanted to give her perspective on the Bengals. Check this out for the next two minutes. What's wrong, son? 
I know he's got a girlfriend. And I'm happy for him. But I'm not happy for me. In that situation. You love Joe Burrow, don't you? He's pretty, but dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not looks. We play the Titans on Sunday. Jamar <laughs> Chase isn't even a sure thing, and I miss him. <laughs> but then, even if we get past that one, well, then we got the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and he's so good, and everyone knows it. And he makes those Subway commercials. All I love is the Browns. Joe Burrow's never beaten the Browns, and they're historically the worst franchise in NFL history. <laughs> her heart. I don't really have a good transition statement after that. I just really wanted to show you that video. All right. I just really, really want to show you that video. I, I, I just learned after first service, Josh was like, you stole my video. He said, I was going to show that next week in my sermon opener. And he said, I had a great transition statement. Yeah, well, anyway, there it is. Now you've seen it. Maybe you'll see it again next week too, but Listen, here, all right, so let's just all assume that I have a transition statement. No matter what you're going through, (laughs) uh, God cares for you. And you know what? That's the truth. No matter what kind of uh, feelings or hardship or challenges you have in your life, the creator of the universe cares for you. And, And that's true. And today where you sit, you have your own challenges, your own struggles. As I drove uh, the other day with mom to that concert, she said to me, I really, or on the way up, and then on the way back also, I really have enjoyed tonight. I really enjoy the conversation, she said. And, and, and she said, you know, the thing I miss the most about your dad is the fact that I don't get a chance to have enough intelligent conversation, you know? And that makes sense for me and all of us to remember those people around you this year who maybe don't have somebody at home, and maybe they just need somebody to talk to. Maybe they just need somebody that will encourage them, somebody that will uh, allow them to have good companionship and conversation. And maybe just as the creator of the universe cares for you, you have the opportunity this Christmas to be someone who cares for for, for those that he created. Maybe you have the chance this year to reach out to somebody in a way that cares for them, puts an arm around them, has good conversation with them. Jesus Christ, King Jesus cares for those who created, and how can we do any less? And the second implication I would say is King Jesus gives you direction in your life. King Jesus came to his
promise you that. There it is. King Jesus gives us direction in life. Listen to Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. God gives us direction in our life. Um, I was telling one of my kids the other day that when I grew up, there was no such thing as GPS. How many of you know what I'm talking about? No such thing as GPS. In fact, what we had when I grew up, we had what, what we called maps, okay? And uh, in a map, you opened it up, you could see where you're going, you just kind of chart your course, and then the next generation after maps was AAA triptychs. And you go to AAA and you'd say, this is where I'm going to go, and they would give you an entire package Stay with me, kids. An entire package of directions that you would flip through. I didn't need triptychs, and I didn't need a map. I was 16 years old. 16 years old, I had a Camaro. Way too fast for my own good. But anyway, I had a Camaro, and we were gonna, I was going to drive. I asked my parents, just turned 16 in June. I said, could I drive to North Carolina and go visit my grandparents, and I want to go back to the camp that I grew up in at, at uh, at, Woodland, at, at, um, at, uh, round, at what was that camp called? Anyway, we used to go down to this Park Springs Christian camp. And uh, I said, that's where I want to go. And, and you know what my mom and dad said? That sounds good. Now remember, no cell phones and no GPS. And my parents said, sure, go ahead. How many of you parents would do that today? Nobody? And uh, they sent me on my way. But here's what I did have. I had the directions of my father. He gave me, but way before Trip Ticks was popular, Step-by-step directions. I knew every road, every highway, every stop that I was going to take. Stephen, go through this way. When you get to the Turnpike in West Virginia, it's going to cost you this amount of money. Make sure you have it so that you can give it to them. When you get to Beckley, West Virginia, take, a, take an exit. You're going to stop there. I want you to get off there. You're going to go through the mountains. You're going to go through Fancy Gap. And eventually, you're going to get to High Point, North Carolina. And guess what? When I followed my dad's directions... I got right to where I needed to be at 16 years old. And can I tell you guys this? My dad is still giving me GPS directions. He's my father in heaven. And when you listen to him, when you read the word of God, when you follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life, he will give you the direction that you need. It is not that um, when God gives you those directions, the problem is not whether or not he has given them to you. The problem is whether or not you're going to follow them. And the times when I have not followed God's directions in my life, that's the times that I have regretted it. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? God gives you direction in your life. King Jesus says, I want to guide you where you need to go. The Bible says he directs the steps of the godly. The third thing is that King Jesus is Savior of the world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness, in other words, all of the deity, Dwell in him, and through him, through Christ, to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. King Jesus is both God and king. And because of that, he not only created you and cares about you, he not only gives you direction in your life, he also came to save you from your sins. And today, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what issues you have, no matter what problems you have, you do not earn your salvation. It is the greatest Christmas gift ever given. It is the first and best Christmas gift ever given as God himself gave his son so that he would die for you so that, so that you could have life. That's the greatest Christmas present. God himself 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. God, who grew up, lived a sinless life, performed undeniable miracles, promised that he would be executed unfairly, promised that he would raise from the grave after three days, and he did. And now, because of that, says, because I live, you shall live also. One of the greatest testimonies ever of the purpose of Christ came in the angel on the hillside that day to the shepherds who claimed, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And friends, that is who we're celebrating, not just in December, but all year. The the King of Christmas. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We are going to celebrate King Jesus um, every week and every day this month as we celebrate who He is and what He's done in our lives. God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, God, for your spirit that you give us. Thank you, God, for creating us and therefore caring about us. We thank you, God, for being the one who gives us direction in our life because we sure need it. And, God, we also thank you for coming to this earth to save us from our sins so that we might be able to have eternity with you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And today we honor and celebrate you, we worship you, and we thank you for all that you've done, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.